When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey guys, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only Trinity, the Tuck Taylor. And we're going to talk about the name change. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? What's going on? I mean, you know, I'm just traveling the world and being a super, I'm just totally kidding. I'm in my bedroom right now. Um, trying to make a, the best out of a, a horrible situation. Where are you quarantined? Like, where are you? Um, I live in Orlando. Um, I, you know, everybody moves to LA after they've been on Drag Race, and that is the plan, but girl, I have a whole, like, troop of dogs. I have five dogs, so um, moving to LA is, uh, you know, definitely makes me, uh, question if I want to move there yet. I got to wait for some of these, you know, older dogs to hit the road. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you've been a little busy since Drag Race, which we'll get into. So, you know, you, you have your time and you have these nice flowers in your bedroom with you. Yes, I love flowers, um, especially right now. Anything to make you happy, right? I agree. And so are you from Florida originally? Like, where are you from? No, originally I'm from a small town outside of Birmingham, Alabama. Um, like literally didn't even have a red light when I grew up. It was a four-way stop and there was no Walmart near us. Like, no, like nothing that you would think would be in a normal small town. No, this is an even smaller town. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm from New York, but when I think Alabama, I think really small. Yes. Yeah. Everything outside of Birmingham is extremely small. So, I mean, like, do you went to high school with, like, what, like, 25 people graduated your high school? I mean, it seemed like it. No, we actually had, like, maybe, like, 150 people. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, it, this town just seemed really small. It seemed like when you think of, like, Mayberry or something like that, it's, that's exactly what, it's called Springville. Wow. So, you know, you're in Alabama and you at some point realize that you are a gay man. So what is that like in a small town? You know, the world wasn't really, I mean, the world hasn't come so far, but it wasn't what it is today. So how was that? I mean, it was definitely an experience um, trying to navigate my identity um, in high school, like trying to figure out, I mean, I knew I was gay, but like, I was not a popular kid. I was like one of those artsy kids that liked to draw and never did sports. So like 
I remember whenever I first got my my car and in high school and the football team put a bunch of rainbow stickers all over the back of it. And like, not that I care because it would is like put rainbows are an insult, but like the, I knew what they were trying to do. They were trying to intimidate me. And um, it was stuff like that throughout high school that, that I had to, to deal with. I did have like a couple of friends that uh, became really good influences throughout that time period, but it was, it was rough. And then were you just like, was your plan like, get me the hell out of here, you know, right after high school? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there was no way. Like, I stayed in Springville until I was 18. And as soon as I turned 18, I moved. The thing is, is that like my grandmother that raised me, she was really sick. And I actually didn't even get to graduate like actual high school with like in a public school. I had to homeschool my last two years because she got really ill and my grandfather that raised me had to work. So um, I quit school, homeschooled myself, took care of her. She passed right when I turned 18 and as soon as she passed, I, I, I left. I went to the nearest big city, which was Birmingham. Wow. And so were you doing drag in high school too or that came later? No, that came later. I, well, it came like right after I turned 18. So I, um, I didn't get, I didn't, I wasn't a, a bad kid or like adventurous as a kid. Like I, I did what I was told. I, you know, respected my elders and all that stuff. So I didn't like try to sneak in clubs or anything like that until I was like old enough to get in, which in Birmingham, it was 18. And then um, after I went out a couple of times, I started to meet a couple of friends. And this one friend, his name was Chris. Um, was like, you should totally do drag. You're like so skinny. I bet you would be great at it. Like that being skinny equals a great drag queen, <laughs> like stupid. But um, I was like, I'm never gonna do drag. Like that's gross. I thought it was gross. And he was like, well, you can win money if you do the talent show. And so a broke 18 year old, I'm like, okay, well, let me do it. And so I did it and I lost. And I kept doing it until I won. It took me three tries and then I started winning all of them. And then after about a year of doing the competition, um, it was like a Thursday night, it was called The Baddest Bitch. And um, after winning that like consecutively so much throughout a year, they were like, we can't let you do this anymore. Like people aren't entering because you're entering. So they started booking me and, and that's where this monster has uh, grown from. <laughs> Wow. So, well, the first time, you know, you're like, okay, I can make some money. I mean, what? You just knew what to do? Like, you knew how to do makeup? You knew, like, how did that, how did you know? Oh, no, absolutely not. I was horrible. A train wreck, awful, like a brick on the wall. It was bad. Um, so my friend Chris was African-American, and he was this tiny little gay. I'm talking about, like, he was like 5'2", it seemed like. And he did drag and he was also terrible at makeup, but he had a really pretty face naturally. So like even with bad makeup, he was still really pretty. And he was a cheerleader in college at the time. So he like knew all the tricks and like splits and high kicks and stuff. So he, um, he put, did my makeup and um, it was awful. And I borrowed a wig from him and borrowed a costume from this other drag queen I knew. Um, and when I say costume, I mean, like, it wasn't really, it was bad. It was like off the rack stuff, but you know, in Birmingham, what do you do? There, there's no seamstresses or designers, but so I 
entered in, and well, he also is the one that taught me how to originally tuck. Um, so, but that was, it was, that was a nightmare the first time. I would imagine that would be a nightmare. Like I wouldn't, that doesn't sound like it's fun. No, it, it really isn't. Um, it was really painful. And not only that, but like Chris was very um, gifted. And um, the way that he showed it to me, like the first time scared the shit out of me because I was like, that just doesn't, that's not supposed to go in those places. And um, it took me a couple of tries to figure it out on my own. And then I finally got the hang of it. <clears throat> and then what about same thing like with makeup, you just kind of got better at it? I think, you know, makeup has always been a process for me. I've never claimed to be like, a super drag makeup artist. And even since Drag Race, I feel like my makeup has evolved better. Um, I think just throughout my drag career, which is almost 18 years now, I, I just, every year, I just learn different things from different people that I apply to myself that I like. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty bad for a couple of years because back then you didn't have YouTube. You didn't have um, like these bigger cities where they had uh, professional makeup artists to teach you stuff. You literally learned on your own or you learned from the older queens that came before you who also had terrible makeup. So, you know, we were men in dresses back then. <laughs> yes. And then, so after you won all these times, where, what, you know, and well, did you enter as Trinity? Like, did you have a different name and how did you choose your name? No, <clears throat> I've always been Trinity. Uh, since the beginning, I, it, it, like for the first month, I would say of me performing, I didn't have a last name because I didn't know what I wanted my last name to be. And um, because I couldn't figure out a last name, I was like, well, I'm just going to use my real last name. So um, that's when I went with Trinity Taylor. And I've been Trinity Taylor literally since the beginning. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or, of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloudco slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top-shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24, that's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. And how did you come up with that name? 
Like Trinity? Um, Tr Trinity, at the same time that I started doing drag, The Matrix became a huge movie. And I just loved Trinity's character. I thought she was like a badass bitch. And I was like, that's what I want my drag character to be like. And actually, that's what it, it kind of was. It was like that goth, like dark hair, very pale, very dark makeup, um, like pleather. It was completely different than what I look like now. Like looking back at those pictures, I'm like, what was I thinking? You went the goth route and then one day you're like, okay, maybe we'll take it in a different direction. Well, I think it's, it's you know, drag has always been an evolution for me and I never try to pin myself down as one thing. Um, although like the show only shows majority of just one aspect of, of drag for me. But my drag mother actually was a club kid. She, um, she did, she bounced around between um, club kid drag and glamour drag. And so I kind of pulled from both of that, um, from both of those, those styles. And then, you know, eventually just started doing stuff on my own because when I first started drag, I really tried to emulate my drag mother and, and other people that I saw because I, I didn't know who I was or still finding myself as an artist. And so it took me a couple of years to really solidify uh, the style that I portray now. And what about what, what would your name be? You know how they say it's your pet in the, the street you grow up on. So what would your name have been if you took your pet in the street you grew up on? Um, it would be um, Honey, which was the first, uh, which was my first pet, and Meadows, which was the first street. Honey Meadows. Well, that works perfect. <laughs> I, I know mean, about that. That sounds like more of a uh, my stripper name. I mean, you know, not that there's anything wrong with Trinity Taylor, but that's like a good name for somebody to, you know, take. So when, you, who were your influences? Like, you know, when you first started doing drag, like, did you have any like drag influences? Like, was it your drag mother? Like, were there people like in the public eye? I mean, cause it was a different time back then. We didn't have RuPaul's Drag Race. Right, yeah, you didn't have RuPaul's Drag Race back then. And, um, you know, the only drag artists that I knew were the local queens um, other than RuPaul. Like I had, you know, I do remember watching RuPaul um, on her original VH1 show, like whenever I was much younger and fascinated with this like extremely tall glamorous woman with like flashy clothes and um but at the time i didn't really realize she was a drag queen i i, I just thought she was like a really tall woman and um because i didn't have those you know those justifications of what things were back then no one told me you know this was before i came out so um it wasn't too much later that i realized oh that that was rupaul and um so i guess like Definitely, like my tagline whenever I was in Birmingham used to be called the supermodel of the South. And I kind of took that from RuPaul because I, I idolized her, I idolized her beauty and she was the supermodel of the world. And I was like, well, I can't be the supermodel of the world. So maybe I could just be the supermodel of the South. And so, um, the, yeah, I really did idolize RuPaul a lot. And of course my drag mother, I think she's still to this day, she doesn't do drag anymore, but, um, still influences me to this day. Was RuPaul kind of like the gold standard, you know, like in a small town, like, or in, in Birmingham, like where people like, oh, that's what we want to be, you know, like RuPaul made it, or like to your point, you didn't even really know RuPaul was 
a quote unquote drag. Yeah, I don't think back then, at least in uh, Birmingham, RuPaul was even really a thing, um, except for, you know, she was a successful drag queen who was an actress. Like she wasn't a stage performer like we were. Um, like we were much more, which she was at some point, but you know, back then we didn't know her backstory. We only saw what we saw on TV. And um, so the, the, the scene back then was like pageants, like who, whoever won the pageants were the ones to idolize and the ones that you wanted to be like and the ones you wanted to book in the shows. Did you have support, like you mentioned, your grandmother passed away. So like, I don't know, from family or friends, like, were, did you have like a good support system or was it like, okay, well, I came out as gay and now I have to come out as the fact that, you know, I want to do drag? Well, my grandmother passed before I really started doing drag. And then my grandfather that raised me, I never officially came out to him. Now, right before I moved out, I had bought some wigs and I left them in my floor in my bedroom and there were some towels over them. Well, one day I came back from wherever I went, the towels were missing and the wigs were there. So I know for a fact that he saw my wigs. He had to have saw my wigs because I think he was doing laundry or something. But um, <clears throat> I never came out to him as gay. I never came out to him as starting to do drag. Um, just because I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable with, with him with that. Um, I found solace with my, I don't even know if I use that word right. I, f I found support with my gay family. Like the, 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 the people that I met in the clubs that became my gay and drag family, that those are the people that supported me. My sister, who I'm really close to now, um, started to support me much later after she kind of understood but she was also um very ignorant to the gay lifestyle and drag because drag drag is completely different than a gay lifestyle it's, it's a whole nother like literally your life is consumed if you do drag <clears throat> it's an art it is an art what do you think is the biggest misconception about drag or drag queens or people who do drag i think that um a lot of people stereotype drag artists as uh, drunks or drug users or that they don't um, have goals in life or they, you know, they're trashy. Maybe not now since drag races come on and they've shown all, a, a whole nother side, but at least back then, that's what people thought of drag queens before they actually got to know what they are and, you know, not, uh, not knowing no judgment here with 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 drag artists who um, do have those vices, but um, that's just not the direction that I took. And and um, I definitely wanted to prove that you know drag it can be a career, it can be a job, it can be you can fulfill things. I I, I literally did not know when I was eighteen before I did drag what I was going to do with my life. I I didn't want to go to college. Um, I just wasn't sure and then when I found drag I was like okay this is this is what I was meant to do and um so and, and before drag race I traveled the world I went to 19 countries before drag race because I traveled with a band um called Erasure as a backup dancer in drag really and yeah 
And oh, erasure is great. Yeah, I love erasure. So, you know, there, the possibilities with drag is endless, even without being on Drag Race. Interesting. I did not know that you toured with erasure. I might've seen you. I've seen erasure in concert many a time. Um, is, is that like, when did you realize you could do this as a living? Was it when you were winning these competitions and they wouldn't let anyone else participate? Like, when did you say like, okay, this isn't just like performing at the local club and I'm winning, you know, a hundred dollars or whatever, like this could actually be the way I live. I think that, um, once I stopped doing the competitions and I started getting bookings and then uh, maybe some time passed and then they actually put me on cast where I was working two to three nights a week in drag. Plus I had my day job. That, that was the start of realizing, okay, the pay's not great, but if I keep evolving and push myself and become better and make a name for myself, I can make that fee go up higher and that, you know, that can support me. And to me, a career is, something that you love to do that you that's a job that you do long term and I, and with that you know you have to be able to pay your bills and so um that was the start of realizing i can do this as a career it wasn't until i started really um winning pageants that i started getting a lot of recognition not only in my community in birmingham but all over in the underground pageant world where I started getting bookings outside the state. And that's when I really solidified Trinity before I got on Drag Race. And is that like the career trajectory? Like if someone doesn't go on Drag Race, is that really the career? Like just getting these bookings and traveling the world, is that the main source of income? Um, I think it's different for everyone, especially now. Like now drag is so accessible. And there's so many avenues to take with drag now that even I didn't have back then. Now you literally can do YouTube and become a YouTube star um, as a drag artist. Um, you can do Twitch. Twitch is a huge thing. Um, people are coming out with makeup lines, uh, becoming models, becoming uh, actors and TV personalities. Uh, doing drag. So it, there's so many avenues that you could take with doing drag now that with a career, it is literally endless. Like you just don't have to, um, you don't have to pigeonhole yourself to one thing. What about like, what's the best thing about the industry? And like, what do you think the biggest challenges are? I think the best thing about the industry to me is that um, at least my experience, drag artists are the public figures of our community. And so when I'm around people in, in clubs or in venues or in meet and greets, everyone's always so happy because drag makes people happy. And so to me, that is the best thing about this industry is that we provide a service to people to entertain them, to make them happy, to make them, you know, even if it's like just a, a, a short safe space for them to let loose and have fun before they go back to their reality. Um, that's what we do. I think the biggest thing we need to work on as a community is to stop um, pinning people against each other in our community. Stop, um, you know, trying to 
put someone down to lift someone else up or to put someone down to lift yourself up. We really should be using our platforms for something better. I truly believe if you're given a platform, you use that platform to reach down and pull somebody else up that doesn't have that platform. And um, that's what I've really tried to do with my, with what I've been given uh, since season nine is every chance I get, I really try to promote other local entertainers around the world, if I, if I can, th that doesn't have that, that platform yet. Um, Cause that's really, we, we, you know, somebody, all they need is one chance, one chance to show who they are and that that's all they need. They can become a huge star from that. Did you watch Drag Race before season nine? Oh, absolutely. I was a huge fan of Drag Race. Um, even, you know, since the beginning, since season one. Did you apply before season nine or season nine was the first time you applied? No, I applied two other times before season nine. Um, so I, I applied three times total. So after the second time, I took a year off from applying and um, because I was entering a really big national pageant called Entertainer of the Year, National Entertainer of the Year, um, which was 2014. Well, I didn't apply that year, but the, I had the casting firm contact me and they're like, please submit this year. We, we want you to submit. And I told them, I'm like, look, I just spent $12,000 of my money, which is a lot of money to a local drag queen. I mean, it's still a lot of money to me, but back then, like that was a lot of money. I saved a long time for that. Uh, I, I spent $12,000 to enter this pageant. And I was like, I have to do this. I can't waste that money. And so I ended up not auditioning. And that was the year that I won National Entertainer of the Year. Um, uh, Alyssa Edwards was my first runner-up and Eureka was my second runner-up. And um, then the next year is when I auditioned and got cast on the show. Do they give you feedback like when you don't get it, like the year you didn't get it? Like, do they say, you know, this is what you should work on or it's just like, you didn't get it, that's it? No, the two times before, I never got a call, an email, nothing letting me know anything. It was literally I auditioned and that was it, girl. <laughs> But you must have known, like, when you then auditioned for season nine, like, if you already got a call, like, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah, I was actually really um, excited that I got my, the first call, because I tried not to get my hopes up, though, because I know that they call a lot of girls, um, at, you know, for the first stages of it. It wasn't until, like, my second call that I got, um, I was like, okay, I have a big shot at this. And so, um, yeah, that was exciting. So, I mean, is Drag Race now, like, the gold standard? Like, and why wouldn't, like, everybody, I mean, this just is my own lack of knowledge, but, like, why wouldn't, like, everybody want to be on Drag Race? Um, okay, so I think that Drag Race is an amazing tool. The, the show, I owe so much to, to being on the show, to RuPaul, to the casting firm, to the producers for allowing me to be on the show for sure. Um, I think it's an injustice to drag artists everywhere if we only make Drag Race the go-to for drag artists. There's got to be other goals for people because not everyone's gonna make it on to that show. And as of right now, you know, the show's not open to ab fab artists. Um, they've yet to have a, 
uh, post-op trans woman drag artist. They've yet to open it up to drag kings. So there's a lot of drag artists, you know, bearded queens on, on the American version. They've had it in, in other ones, but there, there's a lot of drag artists that just haven't had that opportunity. And so I think it's an injustice to label drag, uh, uh, drag race as the only, the beacon of drag. There, I, I just hope that drag artists out there know you can accomplish your goals in, in your career without being on drag race. Now, being on drag race is amazing and it's, 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 it's done amazing things for our community. I just don't want people to be discouraged because they feel like, well, I'm not, a cis man doing drag, so I'll never have a career. I, I want people to, to realize that that is not true. Like you, 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 it may be more difficult for you to, but you gotta fight for what you want. You have to have drive and, and really go for it. Go, uh, you know, create other avenues, um, audition for everything. You're gonna have a trillion no's before you have a yes, but all you need is one yes. Right, and to your point, even if you are a cis male, I mean, the amount of people that get on Drag Race is just, it's small. It's really small. It's true. It's, it is very true. So, season nine, so you got there, and how was that? Were you just like, this is just what I expected? Like, how was filming? Were you like, there's camp, you know, like, what was the experience like? Or was it exactly what you thought it would be? Camp oh, what did I expect? So... Yeah. Going in, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have any friends who had been on Drag Race. I was the first person from Alabama to be on. I didn't know um, other queens that had been on the show that well to be able to be like, hey, tell me all about it. Um, so I literally got there and just got thrown into it. So it is what it is. I mean, I, had I had like really researched and and learned I, I there's a ton of stuff that i would have probably not done or would have brought with me or wouldn't have brought with me um uh, that that i didn't do because i just didn't know what was the hardest like was it the cameras like did it take you a while to get used to the cameras like what was the hardest part of the whole experience no i don't think that was hard at all getting used to the cameras I, I i'm very aware of my surroundings at all all time i realized what i was getting myself into um i just didn't know what to expect um i think the biggest thing to 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 overcome through the, the competition was just the challenges were all stuff almost all of them were stuff that i had never experienced or done before and so um everything was just a, a lot of work. It was a lot of hard work and realizing um, that I could do it in that moment rather than being an experienced actor or a drag artist that had done this other stuff before. I wasn't a comedian. I wasn't a drag artist uh, that did comedy uh, on stages or, or was an actor or was a singer or was a professional dancer. I literally came from a small town onto a TV show from a bar. Like that is where my drag was. And so um, these other artists definitely had a leg up on a lot of things. And like, were you intimidated? Like, you know, the New York girls, the LA girls, like the big, you know, from those are big cities and like. No, I um, have always been confident in my drag. Um, pageants taught me to be very disciplined and 
<clears throat> to never be afraid of competition. I was never afraid of competition ever. I was intimidated by the fact that I didn't have the experience on those specific kinds of challenges as others. But once I got in the swing of things, a couple of episodes in, I started to feel way more comfortable. Were you happy where you finished? You know, you finished respectively. I obviously am a competitor and would have loved to have won. But the thing is, is with Drag Race, it's, it's, you know, it's not just a competition. There are so many other aspects to the show that lead up to who wins. And I don't necessarily think the person who is crowned every single season is the person who actually won the season. That's just fact. Um, I think that I'm happy where I placed. I think that had I, I placed exactly where I needed to be because the fans always say, oh, you were robbed. You should have made top two. Had I made top two, nobody would have said anything because Sasha clearly won when she, as soon as those rose petals came down, she had won the episode and won the competition. And so, um, but I placed exactly where I needed to place. Was it obvious to like you and the other queens like, oh, Sasha's gonna take this whole thing? Like for most of it? I think that until the finale, um, we all, at least I all, I thought Shay was gonna win and that I was gonna be, you know, up in the top. Um, I thought it was definitely between me and her. Um, I didn't even see Sasha on the radar, to be honest, because she did just okay in the season. Um, and then, you know, the finale happens and nobody had seen her lip sync yet. And she had just done this amazing stunt. And uh, unfortunately that just blew us all out of the water. <laughs> Fortunately for her, because um, I mean, she won. Like that, there was no denying once those rose petals came down, she was the winner. Yeah, I could see that. What was RuPaul like, you know, well, I guess when you met RuPaul for the first time, what was that like? Were you just like, oh my God? Well, the first time I ever met RuPaul was um, the first episode of season nine. And they had us do a, like, a car ride with her. We literally got in a car with Ru and there was nobody else in there. The cameras were, these little cameras placed in the car and Ru was driving and we were in the passenger seat and we did it individually. And so I got in the car with her and the first thing I see and say, and she says, hi. And so I say, hi. And so um, you can actually see that video on YouTube, I believe. It was like car ride karaoke or something with Rue. And um, it was fun. I find RuPaul very genuine, a very personable in person. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with RuPaul on AJ and the Queen on the set. And I find RuPaul very genuine. I, I, I think a lot of queens going into Drag Race see her on TV as this like very motherly figure, which is which she is, but they think that because of that, they can just go up to her and hug her and talk to her. And that's not 
the case. She's at her job. You know, this, you know, when we're filming, that's her job. And so I see these sometimes these queens say, Oh, she she you she's only you can only talk to her when cameras are rolling. Well, yeah, girl, what what do you think we're there for? We're not there. It's not a sorority on set. We're there to do a job. We're there to film a TV show, and that's her job. And um, you have to respect people in those circumstances. And I and I I I, I find that so irritating when I see some drag artist like, oh, well, she just was all about the camera. Well, duh, we're filming a TV show. Um, but my experience with her, like on the set of AJ and the Queen, I had to run lines with her backstage, and I just found her so nice and genuine and like down to earth and um very calm um my experience with her was always positive is that what happens like a lot of the queens you know just think oh let's just go up to rupaul and because i would imagine everyone wants a piece of rupaul during the experience i think that in um all stars four there was a queen i'm not gonna name names who um was like i just want to have um that one-on-one -on -one connection time with Rue. I just don't feel like we're getting that. And and like, I just roll my eyes. Um, I, I just think, and there, I've heard stories of other drag artists who just, they have this concept in their head of what they want from Rue or what they want the experience to be like. And when it doesn't end up being like that, they automatically look down on her or look down on production or something when they need to be realizing it's a TV show. It, what, what do you think is going to happen? What, what do you think happens on any other TV show or reality show? You know, the, the host is not, you know, Tyra Banks didn't go and hang out with the girls when the camera was weren't rolling for America's Next Top Model. That just doesn't happen. No, it does not. Um, no, I mean, I, and also in a way, I mean, RuPaul is like a judge. So it, it's almost like, if you think about it, like a conflict of interest. Like, I mean, it's almost like you don't really want to, I mean, that's just how I look at it. Like, you don't really want to create such a bond with someone because then it's like, are you judging really objectively? It's just easier just to not go there. That's what I think. Yeah. And I think that Ru definitely probably has her favorites, uh, throughout the, the series. Um, but in my experience, I, I always thought she treated everyone equally. I feel like no one got special treatment from her. Everyone got the same amount of time on camera with her. Um, and, you know, she was the same with everybody. What about like Ross, Matthews, Carson, Michelle, Visage, how are they? Um, I've worked with Michelle on a tour before and I, I've like, I went and saw her show when she was in the West End. Um, um, I, I find her extremely down to earth and kind. She is more of the motherly figure to me. She is very personable and, and she's a little bit more accessible. She makes herself a little bit more accessible to the Queens. Um, uh, I don't really have that relationship with Ross. I've never really hung out with him like that. But um, Carson, love Carson. I've hung out with Carson several times in uh, DragCon and um, some other shows that we've done. And I just, I he's, no offense to the other judges, he's my favorite just because I have more of a connection with him. I, I find him really funny. And um, he doesn't take anything too serious. And he's very accessible, which I like. He's just very, very, you can, 
kinky with him. Who is your favorite guest judge? Um, obviously on season nine was Lady Gaga. Um, she was amazing backstage when she came into Untucked. When she talked to us, I really felt like it was a genuine conversation. She wasn't just talking about the cameras. Like when she came back there, she gave us all of us critiques, all of us. And some of it was positive and some of it was stuff that we needed to work on. And I liked that because it showed that she was, she was genuine. She was there to really help us through this competition, give us advice. Um, for All Stars, I mean, we had so many great judges for All Stars. Um, I can't even pinpoint just one that I just absolutely love. Were you just like, oh my God, this is Lady Gaga? Or do you not get starstruck? Um, I, in the moment, yeah. Like, no, not when she walked through the front, through the entrance. I, that I didn't, I wasn't like crazy starstruck. I was too distracted because Eureka was like fake crying in the corner, um, you know, making it all about her. And um, for me to enjoy that moment, because, you know, you have all these, drag queen screaming around you like it's just you just i i'm one of those that i i, I just step back a little bit because i don't want to overwhelm whoever that is and also that's just so much chaos um when she came backstage and untucked everybody else was calm and so i was very like that's when i was starstruck her she's beautiful up close and she's tiny she's short and um she's just very eloquent and just yeah, she was a star. Were there any guest judges that, you know, were the exact opposite of that? Just not engaging, came with the whole entourage, was like, let me do this and get out of here. Just like divas. Oh, there was a couple. Um, I, um, Megan Trainer was to me just like disrespectful. Like not, not as in like a diva per se, like she came on set I actually I didn't see her on set. She came on the judges panel and when we weren't filming, she just was very blase and like didn't seem like she was excited to be there. Like most judges are excited to be there and present and there. And she just was like, you know, yeah, what, whatever. And so it just wasn't, she just didn't come across as respectful or, or you know, interested. And, and she stole one of the girls sandwiches on set from, from uh, catering. She just wanted it, and she's like, "I'm gonna take." This. I mean, I don't, I don't know if she, pr she probably didn't even know it was theirs, but yeah, they, she took one of their sandwiches that, and one of the girls didn't have their sandwich. They had to go get her food elsewhere. Um, there was another guest judge, and I can't remember her name. Um, she was, I believe, she was on season uh, four of All Stars. She was in a gold dress, and I can't remember her name. Um, I think she may be like a Broadway actress or, or something like that, but she was very rude. She was very rude and came across as very disrespectful. I wonder what she was in, what Broadway. I don't even remember. I, it, it, clearly, I, you know, not somebody I remember. I don't know her name. But other than that, most everyone was fine. Oh, every, everyone else has been a treat. Everyone else has been super excited to be there and um fun and and um complimentary to all the artists and you know just um a good experience 
Thanks for listening to part one of our sit down with Trinity Taylor and coming soon part two, where we talk more about what it's really like to film Drag Race, what it's really like to work with RuPaul, AJ and the Queen, Trinity's career after being on Drag Race, when it kind of like exploded, what other celebrities has Trinity met and so much more. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.